Welcome to the teacher and the preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo-Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. I'm the teacher, Harold Berman. And I'm the preacher, Dave McGuire. Thank you for joining us again this week on The Teacher and the Preacher. And Harold, it's great to have you back with us. We we missed you. And uh, some of our listeners have no idea what we're even talking about because they haven't been able to catch the program last couple weeks or so, or maybe they are brand new listening. So we welcome you to The Teacher and the Preacher. But... You know, um, one of the things that's been a big item in the News Herald has been the disappearance of the governor of California uh, ever (laughs) since he got his second booster. And I'm just wondering if that may have been what the truth is behind your absence. Well, that's a nice uh, theory. And I I did get my second booster, but uh, that's not why I disappeared. So uh, my mother, when she was 85 years ago, came to live with us here in Israel. And it was wonderful having her with us uh, all these years. And unfortunately, a few weeks ago, she passed away. And Dave, as, as you know, and as our listeners who have been with us the last couple of weeks know, uh, Dave did a show uh, with one of our regular guests, Jonathan Feldstein, on uh, Shiva, which is the Jewish mourning period. Shiva is from Sheva, uh, the Hebrew word meaning seven. It's a seven-day period where um, you basically have a time to, I'd say, decompress, if you will, and really process all of the emotions of uh, mourning a close relative. And the other thing that happens is uh, you, you're in your home, uh, so you're really out of commission, but the whole community comes and visits you and asks about, you know, they share their own stories about uh, the deceased and they ask you about the deceased. So you really felt enveloped by the community. Uh, so I, I did feel involved by the community, but uh, it's also good to be back uh, with the teacher and the preacher community. And we're so thankful. And, you know, your mom, which I have always affectionately referred to as Ima, because as, I need a Jewish mother. She was just, <laughs> uh, just delightful. She was always just gracious and just a blessing. And uh, Arlene Berman, and we, we paid tribute to her on that program. And if you... If you'd like to catch that, just go to our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com, click on the archived programs, and there you're going to see a program regarding sitting Shiva, what that really means. So I encourage you to do that. But Harold, it's great, great to have you back. And we've got a great conversation today, a topic that we do uh, several times throughout the year just to try to keep our listeners up to speed, and that is the updates, the latest updates on what life is like in Israel, what's been going on there. And so let's visit about that just a little bit. What, what do you have for us? 
Yeah. So, you know, since I live here, I'm able to offer insights of just what I see sometimes literally out my window and things you might not see in the news or might not make it into the, the mainstream media. So yeah, the, the most important thing, I mean, you know, it's, it's not Iran. It's not uh, the, the consulate flap that we're going to talk about uh, in a few minutes. The real news in Israel is in 2022, just you know, around the corner, 7-Eleven is coming to Israel. Say it's not so. It's, yeah. So. I can't believe this. Harold, do you know that underscores in my mind that the return of the Messiah is not very far away? Well, I, absolutely. I mean, it, it, surely the, the, well, the number seven is significant in, in, in the Bible and the number 11, not so much, but I'm sure we could figure out some connection here. Yeah, I'm sure. 7-Eleven is very much in the Bible. It's very much in the Bible. And, you know, there's nothing better than having a, a big gulp and walking around the holy city and finding refreshment and a chance to quench your thirst, which many people there thirst to be in Israel. And then once they're there, they get a thirst, right? For sure. For sure. And uh, I, I should point out that they've already said that they are going to be closed on Shabbat in Israel. So it's actually going to be 611, not 7-11. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, this is what we love about you. You're always up on the latest news. And so that <laughs> is an amazing thing. You know, there's a lot of American businesses that have uh, shown up there in Israel. Some of them have uh, done amazingly well. And others, such as like Starbucks, they they just couldn't make it there. They're just somehow their coffee pales in comparison to the Israeli coffee, right? Yeah, well, Israeli has a Israel has a very good and strong coffee culture, and Starbucks. Uh, this happened to Dunkin' Donuts and a few others where they came in and just did the one size fits all approach, uh, and, and that doesn't really work here uh, because it is, it is a unique country. So the 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 chains that have done well are the ones that have come in and you know, really adapted uh, to the local culture. So. Well, we'll see with 7-Eleven, but, but I, I was kidding. That actually isn't the, the most important development. Well, I don't know. It's pretty cutting edge, and this is what we love about you. <laughs> I, honestly, I thought maybe you were going to tell us that Ben and Jerry's had actually reversed their decision, and they're now willing to sell ice cream to the Jewish people. Well, well then we really would know the Messiah is coming. <laughs> if, if, they, if Ben and Jerry's actually reversed their position on Israel and, <laughs> and actually saw things differently, that you, you'd know something was up. Well, you guys are still surviving even without Ben and Jerry's. You as yeah, well, are amazing. Yeah, we're, we're resilient. We're resilient. You know, uh, Ben and Jerry's or no Ben and Jerry's, we're, we're here for the long haul. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what. There's uh, a lot of other things that are happening there in that amazing little country. And one of those that happened just over a week ago was the takedown of a drone that was launched by Hamas uh, out over the Mediterranean. Let's talk about that for a minute. Right. So uh, actually, as I understand it, this is the second time Hamas has launched a drone, but they they did this along with launching missiles uh, out into the sea, and they do that uh, to test their own capabilities. And apparently Israel doesn't usually interfere with the missiles, as long as the missiles aren't aimed toward Israel, you know, Israel 
these well enough alone. But the drone, uh, which can obviously go anywhere and go into Israeli airspace, uh, they did track and shoot down. But the, the real story here is every time something like this happens, what it means is whether it's Hamas or Hezbollah to the north of Israel, it means they have new capabilities. And we saw this a few months ago uh, with the fighting in Gaza, where it was no longer just a few rockets uh, badly aimed. Now it was, you know, hundreds and even thousands of rockets. So every time this happens, it, it's basically a chance for the IDF to uh, you know, correct course, if you will, and and say, okay, this is the new reality, and, and deal with that new reality, and not get caught by surprise, uh, you know, later on. Yeah, and anybody who's been paying attention knows that Iran is totally behind this. You know, Iran has uh, quite an amazing drone capability, and it's nothing really uh, when you go up against Israel because they they have their own drones to contend with. But, you know, one of the speculations about a lot of these covert, mysterious events that have gone on in Iran, uh, they chalk up to probably it was a result of a drone activity. And so the yeah, Israelis, you know, sure. uh, they're, they're very straightforward. You know, you mess with us, we're, we're going to mess with you twice as much. But that's where Hamas gets its drones from, its rockets, its missiles. Yeah, Hamas and Hezbollah both, they are both proxies for Iran. And unfortunately, this is what, uh, you know, not only this U.S. administration, but several others, and, and certainly the Europeans, uh, the Chinese and so forth, don't really seem to get. Uh, that, you know, this isn't just, uh, this isn't a, a fight for Palestinian freedom. This is about Iran wanting to destroy Israel with any method. That they exactly. Have. Well, you know, another item, Harold, has been the upcoming talks with Iran and Iran's uh, endeavors to uh, have breakthrough and support. But um, those those are met with a lot of tension right now by the world, and it continues to enrich its uranium to a point where it's it's got. Uh, closer and closer, it's gotten to be able to develop its bomb. And uh, I think that this is a piece that, once again, while Iran is stockpiling, uh, the world is watching. And Israel is growing uh, with pressure about what are we going to do about this. And so I think that it's it's doubling its stockpile while it still is looking forward to having this reengagement I think in Vienna again, uh, with the U.S. and uh, a few other countries. Uh, give you, give me your thoughts on that. Well, uh, you know, it's it's interesting because the Biden administration. It's certainly not the Trump administration when it comes to Iran, unfortunately. But it, it's not the Obama administration. You know, Obama was like running to Iran and practically begging them for a deal and uh, didn't take Israel's interest into account. Or really the rest, you know, it's not just Israel, it's uh, the Gulf states are all affected by this. They, you know, they didn't take any of that into account. Uh, you know, Biden at least does seem to be taking that into account and realizes that there is a bigger picture here. Uh, I, I think also because Iran is now being so demanding and, you know, as you say, enriching uranium, uranium, excuse me, uh, you know, in, in violation of pretty much everything. Uh, as much as the Europeans want to come to a deal, it, it's probably not going to happen. Now, the other piece of it is that Israel has been very clear 
that they will not hesitate to use military force to do what needs to be done to protect, you know, Israel. Israel, you know, cannot have another country, a powerful country, bent on its destruction with nuclear capability. It just can't. Uh, it's a small enough country that, you know, one nuclear bomb, that that's it. It's not even like as horrible as you could be in America where, okay, if New York, you know, horrible to play, but if New York got taken out, uh, that wouldn't be the whole country. You know, here it would be the whole country. Uh, Israel hasn't just been talking. The the IDF has been, the, the budget has been increased significantly to deal with Iran. The IDF has been conducting all sorts of drills. Uh, and uh, what one retired IDF general said, though, and I think this is really the, the, the key to it all, he said, in terms of taking on Iran, in terms of destroying uh, Iran's nuclear capabilities, or at least setting it back significantly. Uh, Israel is perfectly capable of doing that. There's, there's no question that it could, you know, launch those missions and do what needs to be done. Uh, he said, the question is what happens the day after, uh, when, exactly. you know, basically all, you know, what breaks loose, yeah. uh, around the world and, and how does Israel deal with that? And the, and not only the whole world, but, uh, the IDF knows full well that it can go and it can bomb Iran, but Hezbollah is sitting to our north with tens of thousands of rockets, all financed by Iran, uh, that they'll just start shooting uh, into Israel. So uh, the IDF has been very mum about what their plan is for that, but I, I don't doubt that they have a plan because, uh, and probably for good reason, are, are, are keeping it under wraps. Yeah, well, you know what? Anyone who wants to do their homework on this um, will come across the uh, appeal of Iran to the world that we're actually developing all of this so that we can produce medical isotopes, uh, which will allow us to uh, deal with the diagnosis of certain cancers. Well, thank thank God for that. So <laughs> there's nothing to worry about here, nothing to see. Keep moving. So, Harold, one of the Recent things that's also going on there in Israel is uh, some undue pressure that's being put on the nation from the U.S. regarding opening up a U.S. consulate again in Jerusalem. And if you remember, once Trump moved the embassy there, then the consulates basically were, were shut down. Now Mr. Biden wants to have that opened up. Let's talk about that for a moment and, and that pressure that's being put on Israel. So this is a consulate for Palestinians. And what's happened here, just to give the basic background, in 1995, Congress basically passed into law that the U.S. embassy should be in Jerusalem. But there was a six-month waiver. There was basically a loophole. Each a president could postpone this for six months. And every president since then has just done successive six-month waivers and basically kept the, the embassy in Tel Aviv, not in Israel's capital, Jerusalem. Trump was the one who finally broke that and said, I'm not signing the waiver. They moved the embassy to Jerusalem where it belongs. And you know, where in any other country, the uh, U.S. embassy is in the capital of that country. And by the way, the U.S. embassy is in a part of Jerusalem that under any peace plan is, is not contested. It's, it's clearly remains as part of Israel. So in any event, uh, Biden cannot move the embassy now. The genie is out of the bottle. 
Uh, it's a congressional, you know, it's an act of Congress. He, he can't really move it. So this is a backdoor attempt. He's saying, okay, well, let's put uh, the Palestinians claim East Jerusalem as their capital, not with anything to back that up, but they claim it. And so let's put a consulate for Palestinians in East Jerusalem. From Israel's perspective, East Jerusalem is still part of Israel's capital. It's still Jerusalem. Uh, and for us, there isn't a dividing line of East and West. It's one united city. Uh, you know, we don't divide Washington, D.C. into East and West Washington, D.C. It's uh, no different with Jerusalem. So what's been heartening to see is the uh, in the Israeli uh, political constellation, not just Prime Minister Bennett, who's on the right, but a most of this coalition, which ranges from center to left, that's a very diverse coalition, uh, they're basically saying no way. And there was a press conference uh, just about a week ago. Prime Minister Bennett and Yair Lapid, who is really the Israeli equivalent of Secretary of State, and he's much more in the center of things uh, rather than on the right. And they did a joint press conference and basically said, not on our watch. And there was even a uh, someone from the press said to Lapid, well, you know, don't you think with this diverse coalition now there's new opportunities, you know, for peace with the Palestinians? And he just said, look, this isn't about that at all. This is about the principle of this is our capital and you're not putting a foreign, you know, a, a consulate serving a foreign entity in the middle of Israel's capital. Uh, but what is disturbing about this is that the Biden administration did want to make this backdoor attempt uh, to basically create some facts on the ground. Yeah, what appears to be is a simple, kind approach to helping Palestinians with their passports and some issues to be able to travel to the U.S. is actually kind of, as you mentioned, a backdoor into having opportunity for another chance at a Palestinian state there. Yeah. You know, as, as Lapid actually said uh, in, in the, the same press conference, he said the U.S. is certainly welcome to put a consulate in Ramallah. And yeah. that's right now serving as the Palestinian capital. So and certainly uh, any Palestinian can go to Ramallah and get those same exact services. So it's it's not about services. It's, it's definitely about trying to create some facts on the ground. Yeah. Well, that's that's insightful. So it wasn't very long ago that some of the Israeli hospitals experienced a cyber attack, which anybody who depends heavily on, you know, computer capability, internet, all of the things that if, if you hit that, it's going to absolutely just almost shut everything down. This is what happened at uh, at least one of the Israeli hospitals. Their IT system was uh, attacked uh, through cyber uh, efforts, and it's it's yet to be fully restored. What what do you know about that whole thing? What what happened there? Do you know? Well, it's it's really very much as you described. There was a cyber attack, and uh, you know, so the was you know all of the medical records. Uh, now that you know they're recovering those and restoring them, uh, there's actually been work going on in this hospital, uh, even you know just using old fashioned pen and paper in the meantime. Uh, the, the hospital is very much back on track, but the, the, their computer system still uh, they're working on. Um, Israel has, uh, as, as we've talked about before, Israel has um, done a number of cyber attacks on Iran and everything from um, creating fires in uh, nuclear plants, you know, anything to stop uh, the, the 
you know, the, their their growth in, in terms of their nuclear ambitions, uh, even to assassinating uh, Israel's, uh, excuse me, Iran's top uh, nuclear scientist, uh, which Israel doesn't admit, but it, it definitely was Mossad operation. Um, there have been electrical outages, different things now. Um, Iran is not as sophisticated as Israel when it comes to uh, to high tech, but they're they're not a backward country at all. So uh, it's widely uh, believed that the cyber attack did come from Iran, and this was a smaller Israeli hospital that uh, I, I can't say this for a fact, but I, I'm going to assume they didn't have um, maybe the same level of controls as you might have in a larger hospital, or certainly Israeli financial institutions have, and, and even more so Israeli military institutions. Uh, there are any number of uh, Iranian attempts at hacking cyber attacks that go on literally on a daily basis, and Israel fends almost all of them off, but this one uh, got through, and you know, it, it's certainly a wake-up call that because it's not like uh, this is a one-off. Uh, they're, they're certainly going to try again. Yeah. Well, just before we round out of time, let's just try to tackle one more, and that is the recently the president of Colombia visited Israel. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that they will move an embassy to Jerusalem? Well, they're moving, uh, I believe they're calling the technology office, something like that, to Jerusalem. It, it's sort of like a Obviously, it's a step in that direction, uh, and I, you know Brazil has also talked about moving their embassy. What's what's really significant about this, uh, and not so much Colombia, but there, you know a number of these, um, uh, particularly South American and uh, you know Central American um, countries, uh, for many years were hostile to Israel. Uh, some of the South American countries even harbored uh, Nazi war criminals uh, for decades. So. This is a page that seems to be rapidly turning, and uh, whether Colombia moves forward quickly with an embassy or not, uh, certainly their intention is to develop significant ties uh, with Israel, which, which again, is this is a, a, new, a new page. I love that. Well, one of the good things about this particular president is he was uh, invited recently to join the IAEA Board of Governors which really adds uh, one more person who's pro-Israel to, to try to stop the advancement of any of Iran's nuclear programs. So, right. well, we're, we're just about out of time, and I just want to thank our listeners for joining us again this weekend. I don't know where the time goes. You know, maybe we need to really experience time change where we have longer time, <laughs> right? I'm all for that. <laughs> but... Uh, People can always contact us, uh, can't they, Harold, at uh, the teacher and the preacher at Gmail, the old-fashioned way now, the teacher and the preacher at Gmail. Write us and let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about or give us some comments or feedback. You can also check out our Facebook page. Harold does just such a great job at keeping us up to speed on interesting facts of the day regarding Israel. And we, we get some really... Uh, wonderful feedback on some of those posts that happen. And uh, it's quite intriguing. And Harold always uh, provokes at least thought, if not more. Right, Harold? That's, we hope. Yeah. And, and I would also say we're also on Twitter. If Facebook isn't your thing, you have options. 
Okay, see, there, there you go. And then, of course, you can check out our website, theteacherandthepreacher.com. What's, what's great about this is that you can access any of our archived programs. You get a chance to see what the teacher and the preacher look like uh, with flesh and blood, uh, and you'll understand why we're only on the radio. And it's also a wonderful, wonderful avenue through which uh, you can donate. And, you know, this is a listener-supported program. We, we stay on because of a wonderful generosity of people. And if you like what we do, if you appreciate the fact that this is a conversation that's happening really for the first time in 2,000 years, and it's, it's God-created, it's God-orchestrated, then we hope that you'll consider standing by us financially. And you can do that simply by just going to theteacherandthepreacher.com Scroll down, click on the donate button, and there you're going to receive um, um, tax deduction. You're going to get uh, a response that uh, you're supporting a nonprofit. And so Masterminded is the workhorse behind our program. So we hope that you'll consider that and stand by us. Uh, those are huge blessings. And what a great Hanukkah gift because it's coming up very soon. Or... What a great Christmas gift. So either way, you'll be helping support the teacher and the preacher. Harold, great to be with you again this weekend. And with you. And uh, until next week, may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends. And may he bless America. The Teacher and the Preacher will be back next Sunday for another discussion on how Christians and Jews can come to once again proclaim that the United States is truly a Judeo-Christian nation. To contact the Teacher and the Preacher, email them at theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. That's theteacherandthepreacher at gmail.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and give you shalom. Shalom.